I was saying, Brother Vic, I can certainly relate to getting out of your comfort zone. And, you know, God has a way of doing that. This is not my comfort zone, I can assure you this morning. This is not my comfort zone. I think it was just, I tried to talk my way out of this, but uh, <laughs> the other staff members just wouldn't let me do it, you know. They said, we're going to scrape the bottom of the barrel anyway. So, anyway, this is going to be probably short and sweet. You're going to not only beat the Methodists probably, you're going to beat the Presbyterians too <laughs> this morning. But I hope there's some things that, that, that we can glean that, you know, it's like when uh, we had a pastor one time, he said, when I'm, when I'm pointing at the congregation, there's at least four or five, not, not five, but at least four fingers pointing back at me, and that's the way I feel this morning as, as what I want to share with you. It's, it's kind of funny how God does those things, the things he, he gave me to start thinking about what I wanted to share this morning from the scriptures we have, we're going to continue in. Uh, it's certainly an area in my life that, that I, I certainly need help in and need to work on and grow in uh, this morning. We're going to be uh, looking at, of course, well, I'll worry just a minute. Uh, one of the things I thought about this morning and one of the things we're going to be talking about is and, uh, how most of us struggle with being bold in our witness. And I said already, uh, certainly that's, uh, that's me. Uh, I, I certainly struggle in being as bold as I know God desires for me to be. And as I thought about some of those reasons, there are probably several reasons, but I believe one of the most common reasons we have is fear itself. The fear that maybe uh, we don't know enough. There may be fear that what other people are going to think of me when I start trying to share my testimony or share about Jesus. Then, of course, there's another fear that we may just be rejected. You know, those are some of the fears that we struggle with. But one thing I also noticed is things that we really feel deeply about, we can kind of speak on and talk about, can't we? And we're certainly going to see that's true in the case of Peter and John this morning in the passage that we're looking at. You might want to go ahead and turn there to Acts 4, verses 13 to 20 this morning. While you're doing that, just to give you a little bit of content, uh, content of where we're at, if you remember in Acts 3, we saw the account of how God and Peter and John were healing the man who had been crippled from birth 40 years. People had seen him begging at the beautiful gate at the temple. The sight of this man now walking, leaping, and praising God drew a crowd. So Peter takes the, this uh, advantage to share and, and to preach. And I thought about that this morning, that, that that's what's going on even this morning is Craig has an opportunity this morning. God has opened up a door, and that's what's something we talked to. He talked about even last week is how when God opens a door to be ready to go and ready be, to be prepared to share. And uh, so that's kind of what God is doing this morning. He's giving Craig an opportunity to be there in a place, an opportunity to share the good news, the gospel, where he's at this morning. So we see Peter take advantage of where God's got him at. Peter uses this situation to boldly proclaim the truth of the gospel. Even though him and John is, were told not to speak, not to teach these truths of the gospel, even while they were facing threats, they did not allow fear to stop them. If you would stand as we read the scripture this morning together. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... 
and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a noble sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may, not sp- in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and they charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Let's pray. Lord, already as we've read these scriptures, I know my heart has been challenged. Lord, as I saw and as I read through the scripture, I saw how you empowered these men and how they boldly were proclaiming the gospel, even under these threats. They understood and knew what could happen to them at any moment, but yet they were willing to confess you and, and share you and share the good news of the gospel. Lord, I pray you'll embolden us, your church, to be a light, to be a witness, to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The first thing we're going to look at this morning is being with Jesus creates boldness. There are times, as I mentioned earlier, that we are fearful to be bold in our witness because we're afraid we don't know enough. I think that's one that we would be honest, as I said, we would all struggle with that at times. We worry that someone might ask us a question that we can't answer. So we kind of decide to just go ahead and leave evangelism up to somebody else, you know. Give it to somebody else. Maybe they'll be better, able to do a better job than us. But what we see here in these verses is that, that Peter and John are perceived by the Jewish leaders as uneducated, common men. And this is exactly what they were. They didn't have the religious training as some of the religious leaders that were questioning at this time. But they had something more that, that was more important. They had Jesus. Jesus had been, they had been with Jesus. And they had been empowered by the, the, their, his presence in their lives. Obviously, we can't physically spend time with Jesus as Peter and John had done over the past three years. But we can spend time with Jesus by listening and as he speaks to us through his word. 2 Timothy 3, those verses that we're familiar with, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's Word is powerful. God's Word equips us to be His instruments, to be His vessels, to proclaim His truths to a lost world. Not only can we spend time with Jesus through his word, but we also can can communicate with him through prayer. Prayer helps us to understand and know the mind of God. Psalms 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. Prayer is certainly a powerful way that allows us, allows God to fill us with his boldness and with his presence. As we look through the New Testament throughout Scripture, we see several uh, examples of disciples praying for boldness. 
In fact, later on in this chapter, when Peter and John are released from jail, they gather with other disciples, and prayer is exactly what they do. Listen to their words in Acts 4.29. And now, Lord, look upon these threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak the word with all boldness. We understand that the fervent prayers empowers us and honors our God. And even Paul, as we know, who was undoubtedly a bold witness, there's no doubt about his boldness and how he witnessed for Jesus, he still seeks his prayer for him as he, as he seeks to be bold. In Ephesus, in Ephesus he asked the Ephesus, Ephesians to pray for him. In Ephesians 6, 18 and 19, verse 18, he says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Verse 19, and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. Wow, as we see these men, as we see Peter and we see Paul and, and John, we see these men seeking prayer for boldness. That's something we certainly need to make, to make a priority in our, own, in our own lives. Prayer fills us with His presence. Something else we need in our spiritual lives so that others would know we've been with Jesus and supply boldness is spending time with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We call that fellowship. That's something that we don't often think about much, about the fellowship. Sometimes, you know, as Baptists, we think about fellowship, we think about eating, don't we? You know, and that's not a bad thing. I enjoy that too. But really, fellowship is much, much more than that, spending time with others. We certainly can understand the benefit of following God's instructions about not forsaking the gathering ourselves together. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 reminds us, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of son, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near, spending time together, studying God's Word, praying together, fellowshipping together. These are powerful ways of how we can grow in Christ and others can sense that we've been with Jesus. Mentoring is a great thing that God has given us to the body of Christ and challenging each other in our walks will help to embolden us and embolden our witness. Another fact that we see in our scriptures is that boldness and power that the Peter and John it showed was not due to their education. In the words of the Jewish council that we read, un, they, they were seen as uneducated and common men, and yet their boldness and courage was due to them being, them being with Jesus. As we consider for a moment who was doing the talking, have you thought about who was, who was doing all the talking? Most of the talking and proclaiming of the gospel in these circumstances, who was it? It was Peter, wasn't it? It had only been a few days that he had been denying Christ, hadn't he? And yet now he is boldly proclaiming, he's boldly speaking Christ and not, not, not ashamed of the gospel at all. The evidence is clear that a person who has been with Jesus through the power of his spirit, the power of his word, through prayer and fellowship is filled with boldness to proclaim the truth of the gospel. Our fears can be overcome. But what a challenge it is to us. We must be with Jesus. We must spend time with him. We must spend time in his presence. His presence in our lives is our true source of boldness and power. Our second point this morning, morning is boldness through persecution. I don't know if you thought about that much, but as I was looking into these verses and trying to maybe share what God had me to share, 
this come across. Even it came to me actually, actually when we were talking about this in our life group a few weeks ago. I think what we see throughout God's word is how persecution or the threat of persecution has followed God's people we know throughout history. And we certainly see that's true in the early church. Craig shared about this a couple of weeks back, how the gospel had increased even in the early church, even in under difficult circumstances and difficult places. But what we also see is this persecution has produced boldness and power. Throughout history, we've seen that persecution leads to a stronger and a more faithful church. This doesn't make sense on the surface when you think about it, but what often we see is suffering leads to a greater dependence on God and less on self and leads to boldness rather than fear. I don't know about you, but I've been listening to the news quite a bit and to, of course, what's going on in Ukraine. It breaks our heart to see that and see what's going on there. But I did hear a Ukrainian pastor the other day speaking on the radio. You know, just like God kind of gives you things you need (laughs) at different times in your life. But he was proclaiming that, and he's over there. He's, He's an American, but he runs a seminary over there. Uh, leads a seminary over there and uh, and he they were asking him questions about the church and what was going on with the church there where he was at and of course they were under a lot of terrible things going on all around them you know a difficult place to be for sure and uh, but they asked him about the church and he said you know he said the people are so open now you know that's kind of the only hope that they can see. And, and they have, now they're able to speak into their hearts, even in a more powerful way of, of the hope in Christ. And so, you know, as difficult and as hard, hard as it is to imagine what those folks are facing, you know, they're, they're open now to receive the Word of God. And so, you know, I just say, please continue to pray for that and pray for this. I can't tell you his name, but the church is alive. And it's still God's still using it there in the midst of that disaster. What we see in the verses this morning is that the Jewish council did not seek for truth. Rather, they sought for some way to avoid the truth. If they had honestly considered the evidence and humbly listened to the message, they might have been saved. But their pride and the hardness of heart got in their way. C.S. Lewis, as we know, is one of the greatest, has, one of, has had one of the greatest impacts on, for Christ in the 20th century, called Pride the Great Sin. Unfortunately, we see this often today. When people are confronted with the truth of the gospel, pride rears its ugly head. The Jewish leaders wanted to just let things kind of die down. This meant that, if they, that by threatening the apostles, forbidding them to teach and preach in the name of Jesus, as we see in the Jewish council and the sentence that they had given to the apostles shows how much the enemy, Satan, fears the witness of the church. Satan has been trying to silence the charge people we know from the very beginning. And yet the opposite has been going on. As we read in Acts 4, later on in Acts 5 and, chapter, and verse 14, in the days that followed, it says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. Satan attempts to, ch- to silence the church has, been, has led to a stronger and a, more, and, a, and a greater witness for the Lord. I can assure you that Satan is not happy with what God is doing here in his church at Malvern Hill. God's not happy with to see the, what God is doing here in these days. I can tell you, Satan's not happy, I'm sorry, with what's going on in the body of Christ here. It doesn't make him happy to see people coming to Christ. It doesn't see, make him happy to see the waters in the baptism being stirred, does it? And so 
we need to be aware of that. We, we, need, we need to be prepared for the spiritual battles that will come our way. James 4, 7 and 8 says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The persecution and the spiritual attack, attacks of God's church should embolden us. As I thought about that, if we see Satan, Satan attacking the church, then we must be doing something right because he desires not for us to increase and not to make a difference in the kingdom. If we're making a difference for the kingdom, you can expect spiritual attacks. It was true in the early church, and it's true today. Our third point this morning is truth emboldens God's people. I want us to look again at verses 18 and 20. Again, hear the disciples' words here. So they called them and charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. Peter and John were merely speaking what they had seen and what they had seen. They were focused on what they knew. And what they knew was based on the time they had spent with Jesus and what they had witnessed with their own eyes. You see, they didn't worry about what they didn't know. As we said earlier in verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. As we said, they didn't let what they didn't know stop them because they were focused on what they did know. And based on what they had shared in the whole of Acts 4, which includes these two critical truths I want us to think about this morning. The first truth, Jesus is risen from the dead. We've seen in God's previous, previously in Acts 3, Peter did not back down from blaming the religious leaders for the crucifixion of Jesus, but even more importantly, he focused on the fact that God had raised Jesus from the dead. Something that Peter and John witnessed personally, Acts 3.15 says, And you kill the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. As I said earlier, although we've not personally witnessed the resurrection, we have the truth of God's word. 1 Corinthians 15 reminds us of the testimony of not only the disciples, but over 500 people who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. We also possess his power, his power, his spirit, his spirit witnesses to our spirit. So with confidence and with boldness, we are to proclaim Jesus is risen from the dead. The second truth that we see Peter proclaiming in Acts 4, Jesus is the only way. Acts 4.12, and there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter is just merely putting in the words, guided by God's spirit, to what he had heard Jesus say right before he went to the cross. John 14.6, these familiar words, Jesus says to Thomas, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Unfortunately, many people react neg negatively when they hear these facts, that there's no other name other than Jesus for salvation. And it's not something that the church has decided. These are the teachings and the truths of God. As we read in 14, verse 6, God had designated Jesus as the Savior of the world, and no one else is his equal there may be some issues that we can debate on 
as Christians at times, but the truth of how we are saved from our sin is not anything that we can debate. There's only one way to interpret Jesus' words. There are not many different roads to God. Just as these statements of truth, truths are not well received by the, were not well received by the Jewish council in Peter's day, these statements sadly are not well received today by many. These truths are where we must keep our focus. If we are a disciple of Jesus, then you should be confident in these truths. Jesus is risen from the dead. He sits at the right hand of God. We see here in Hebrews 12 where it says, Looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, but now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There's no other way except Jesus to come to the Father. We can certainly see how God's truth empowered his disciples, Peter and John, to speak with great boldness. And these are the same truths today that empower his church today. Are you standing on these promises, on these truths today? Are they truths that are making a difference in your life? Just as Pastor Craig has been challenging us each week uh, in the studies of Acts, the early church, these were ordinary men, as we talked about this morning, men that had been empowered through being in God's presence, emboldened by prayer, persecution, and God's truths. These were ordinary men. They were uneducated, common men. The Jewish council was astonished by their knowledge, by their boldness of these disciples. They had, been in, they had been touched and empowered by the Savior. If you're a child today, if you're a child of God, you have been touched. You have been empowered by the Savior. And you have been commanded to be his witnesses. In Acts 1.8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. The early church was filled with ordinary men and women who did extraordinary things because they had been with Jesus. If you're a child of God, today you've been given the privilege. Sometimes we think of it as a task, but it's a privilege that God has given us to be his hands, to be his feet and his voice, to share the greatest truth ever given, and that's the gospel, the good news of Christ. I want you to listen to this statement here. That God allowed me to think about as I thought about the challenge on the church today. The good news of the gospel not only changes lives today, but it changes a person's eternal destination. I think if we can, if we can really wrap our hearts and minds around that, that the gospel changes a person's eternal destination. If God can allow us to really wrap our hearts and our minds around it, it'll surely give us power and increase our boldness to share the good news, the gospel. It certainly challenges me today. I know today we focused on God's church this morning. We've, we've focused on a challenge to be fearless when it comes to sharing the hope of the gospel. But also thought this morning, you may be here this morning, and you never really trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's not about being a bold witness with you this morning. It's about receiving Christ as your Lord, the Lord of your life. I want them to uh, put up the three circles. Uh, we don't have it. Okay, that's all right. But you've been looking at the pamphlet, I know. 
about the three circles. And so I just want to share and kind of close with that. I just want to continue to emphasize that in our hearts and in our lives this morning. These three circles that we see, that first circle that you see, it's, it's God in that first circle. And that reminds us that He created a perfect world. He looked at His creation and He saw it was very good. But we know sin entered that perfect world through the garden, through Adam and Eve and their disobedience to Christ. And sin entered the world. And because that sin entered the world, we have a brokenness. It's not hard to see the brokenness in the world around us today, is it? It's, it's, it's all around us. The brokenness of our world is so plain for the church and for each of us to see. But not only is the world broken around us, we're broken as individuals. Romans 3.23 reminds us that we've all sinned and we all fall short of God's glory. Romans 6.23 reminds us that the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. And that's sometimes hard for us to wrap our minds around. But that's what we deserve. That's what God's Word says to us this morning. But we have a loving Heavenly Father who has provided a grace for us. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Another favorite verse of mine is Romans 5.8 That reminds us that even while we were sinners Christ went to the cross for you and for me. He died for us. Understanding our brokenness, we need to turn from our sin and we need to seek God's forgiveness through a repentant heart. Mark 1, 15 says, Repent and believe in the good news. How can we believe? Romans 10, 9 says, If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, if we believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Maybe that's your heart this morning. Maybe you realize this morning you need Jesus in your life. We'd love to pray with you. Find somebody that you know that loves Jesus and, and share you, your decision this morning. But we'd love for you to come down and, and to pray with you about that this morning. As I thought about this morning, as I thought about that, your struggle, if you're unsaved this morning, is not with boldness. Your struggle is with your salvation. The day is the day of salvation. And I thought about that. What a wonderful season to come to Jesus. Easter, isn't it? What a wonderful time to give your heart and life to Christ. And I thought about not only could you be celebrating the victory that Jesus had over death, hell, and the grave, but you could celebrate the victory you had through Christ over death, hell, and the grave. What a wonderful time to come to Christ. As God's challenges our heart, He certainly has challenged my heart through His Word this morning. I hope something has been said that maybe challenged you in your faith this morning, in your walk. God is depending on us. He, he doesn't have to use us, does he? He doesn't need to use us, but he wants to use us. And we have that privilege to be his hands, to be his feet, and to be a voice of the gospel to a lost world. What a privilege we've been given. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word Lord this morning we just thank you for your grace undeserved that you were willing to take my place on Calvary's cross the very son of God was willing to die for me a sinner condemned unclean and unworthy and that's the kind of grace you have for us today and that's the kind of grace you have for those that have not made that decision to follow you with all their heart with all their soul and with all their mind
God, I pray even right now as Craig is sharing the good news, the gospel, in a place where we would never imagine that God could be at. And you have allowed this body to be a part of that. Help us not to take these days for granted that you've given us here. Help us to be thankful, appreciate them, and then, Lord, give us boldness. Take away our fears. Take away my fear, Lord. That I wouldn't let the fears hinder me from sharing the greatest and the most powerful and the most important news ever. It has a direct effect on how people will spend eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.